You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul continues his discussion of Genesis chapter 29, touching on the significance of Rachel's barrenness. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. What have you done to me? And then you have that key word that you have deceived me. Rimetani. Rama in Arabic, it means to throw, another to cast, to shoot, to toss away, and the pi'al is to beguile. Hmm? You threw me to the side. In English, I like this expression, to throw someone to the curb. Okay, so if I make the effort to learn some American, is to be able to teach those not willing to learn Americans. That's all. You use it in your own language. You pull the fast one. And then Laban, as a good Arab, Aramean, tell him, well, you know, in our tradition, we can't give the younger sister before the older one and so on. That reminds me of the story. My father told me that he was the eldest. And his father died when he was only 16, so he left the last years of high school and started working and he took care. He was the father of his family. Very clearly, you can ask all his siblings and better all his nephews and nieces who know from his siblings. But his younger sister, Father Bill Mills, met her. She was in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We used to visit her and she died a few years ago. But she was still very young. And my uncle, who was younger than my father, number two, kept asking, when are you going to get married? Because I want to get married. And the assumption was that it was not respectful for him to get married before his older brother. And my father, old style, he said, look, I have a duty. You want to get married? Get married. Buzz off my back. But again, it's a story that shows you that it is a tradition. Especially if you have many girls, if you start with number two, and then people say, well, if you allow number two, why not number three? And then the last one would be too old and so on. So that's the story. Complete the week with this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Notice the play on week and seven years. It is amazing how in the original it's so clear. Finish the week or the heptad, the cluster of seven, this in the singular. And then you will work for another seven years. That's not the same Laban you met in 24 brothers and sisters. Correct? Yes, Father Paul, correct. He must have undergone a lobectomy. 
Well, I don't know. It's the same Laban. And you know the rest of the story. But the nice thing in the text, that is shortened. So the author here gave you a break. He didn't want to belabor the matter. But you got the message by now. And he gave her with her maid. And you notice the text plays American style on Jacob's feeling that he went for the following seven years out of his love for Rachel. You notice how in the American movies in the Western you have this. So it's good. So try to teach it to the people so long as you stick to the original. But notice how the curveball hitter Lord works. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Okay? Father Wark, that would be something you could put below the text of Jeremiah on the entrance of your church. Hmm? That would be a good one. He opened her womb. This is how he had mercy on her. He didn't send her a Hallmark card. Rachel was barren. Very powerful word, which takes you back to Sarai of chapter 11. In other words, he is hitting Jacob. And thus the story, you see how Jacob is like Abram, Abraham, and both are unlike Isaac. Because in the story of Abram, you have the story of another woman that was needed. And it is repeated here because the first children of Rachel, not from Rachel, came from her maid, as we shall hear. So, let's continue until we get to that. So, it's a very, very interesting story. But this parallelism with the story of Abram, to my ears, it's very clear. But in the case of Leah, the first children came from her. And then later when she saw, she asked that her maid would mother her other children. But in the case of Rachel, it's the opposite, as we shall see. So Leah had the first son. Again, Reuben is very, what's Reuben? You think that you are having a Reuben sandwich. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, I know what Reuben is. No, in Hebrew it's very clear. Reu ben. It's the imperative plural, see ye, a son. I have a son. So she was boasting. You know how in the Middle East, I know you heard this several times, but let's hear it again. A woman is called bride during the engagement period and after the wedding until she gives birth, not she conceives. 
because the baby may die and thus she's not the mother of. And when she bears the child, everybody begins to call her mother of, you know, in the Middle East. Im, and then you have the name of usually the son, but if you have a daughter until then, you can. But you aim for a son. So these things have to be explained to your people. And it's very respectful. You don't have called me by my first name, like here. A woman who's 35 and then a teenager. Who's a, no, it doesn't work like that. It's disrespectful. So until she bears a child, she is referred to by everybody, O bride, Arus. And then she becomes overnight the mother of which is a blessing. Uh, let me remind you, it's good, because I don't know to which extent you remember these original things. That's why I keep asking you to take notes. Take notes. That Sarai is a curveball name, because Sarai means my princess. My princess. P-R-I-N-C-E-S My many princes And yet she was barren Then her name is changed to Princess Sarah And I told this about being the belittling That's why she couldn't have children so her first name, Sarai, was in hope or to cover her shame. You know how cosmetologists say you have to hide the imperfections of the face of a woman and also of a man. And Paul uses this in 1 Corinthians 12. You don't take care of your good-looking limbs. You take better care of the not good-looking limbs. So you give a nice name for someone you know is not. But God comes with his knuckle or curve ball. He gives her an interesting name, princess. But a princess is not a queen. You know that. You know English. A princess means yet unmarried. Forget about the British royal family that if not the queen and the king, you're. I'm talking about business here. So he called her princess and through circumcision, he tells her, you're going to be the mother of many kings and many nations. It's amazing text, chapter 17. We talked about that, but it's good to revisit. And now, Leah, having had her first son, look, I have a son or see, my son or see a son. And she said that now the Lord has listened because my hatefulness, the being hated from the verb sane, sonua, I was or I am 
belittled and he gave me again another son. So two things that my husband would love me now because I gave him a son and then it is doubled with another one whose name is Shimon from the root Shama. So you could see here the Lord heard me and then he gave me another son. So very interesting these last three verses. Okay, but let's go to the last four verses. 30, so Jacob went into Rachel also and he loved Rachel more than Leah. But then the following verse says the Lord opened the womb because ultimately he gives the child as early as Eve in 4.1. She had Cain with the Lord. The English like to add with the help of, but the original is just with the Lord. But Rachel was barren and then two strikes, Reuben followed by Simeon. And Simeon is very powerful because it plays on the Lord heard. And thus the second son reflects the gift of God. The first name Reuben would be more a kind of boasting if you want to push and take it there. I mean, it is Reuben, she's going around and pointing to her son. But the second one, she learns the lesson and she points to God's having heard. She conceived again and then she says, now this time my husband will be joined to me. These chapters, the 12 sons of Jacob, are very important to communicate to the people that if there is no explanation in the English, then you won't understand it. Because if you say Levi, it doesn't mean what the text is meaning. But in Hebrew, it works perfectly. Because she says, and now, again, Yilawe, it is the pi'al of Lawa. Lawa means to lie down, to go off the road in order to sleep. And the pi'al is the intensive of the verb. He will make himself to lie with me, somehow willy-nilly. Because whether he likes me or not, he got two sons and he will do that. It's very powerful. And then his name is Lewi. Suddenly it becomes Levi because the Jews decided that the wow can be pronounced also as V, which is ridiculous. You remember, my classic example is that this letter R, suddenly the R, opened the grammar of Weingreen. He says the letter Resh, next to it you have the letter R. There is no R. And that is something really you have to... But I don't want someone to tell me that a New York City rabbi or the rabbi of Jerusalem can tell me what the text is. I don't know. Because they pronounce now as N-O-W and you as you masculine the same way. 
Atta, atta. So please help me out with this. Help yourselves out. I would hate that someone would tell me that some of your students are ridiculous, Father Paul. Not because I care for them, but it also it reflects on me. I didn't teach them that. Like, Reuben. Actually, Reuven, which is absolutely ridiculous. But what can we do? The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.